Hello and welcome to Get It Started, Get It Done, the Banyan Security Podcast covering the security industry and beyond. In this episode, our host and Banyan's Chief Security Officer, Den Jones, speaks with John Yeo. John is the Cloud Security Alliance's Global Vice President of Research, a position that allows him to share important industry analysis from a nonprofit perspective. We hope you enjoy Den's discussion with John Yeo. Hey everybody, welcome to another enthralling episode of Get It Started, Get It Done. I'm your host, Dan Jones, the guy with the wit and the wisdom. Uh, or maybe I've just got the bullshit and somebody else will bring the wisdom. Not sure, but every episode I have some amazing guests and today is like no other. So John Yell from the Cloud Security Alliance, CSA. Hey John, thanks for your time and why don't you introduce yourself? Hey. Uh, Dan, thanks for having me, man. Uh, I'm John Yo. I hope to bring wisdom or bullshit or both. Uh, probably a, a lot more of one of the two. <laughs> I'll let you decide. <laughs> one or uh, the other. So, yeah, John Yo. Um, I'm head of research at CSA. It comes with a lot of different titles research director, executive vice president of research, chief innovation officer. I don't even know what kind of title they're giving me these days, Dan, but uh, I always just say head of research because CSA is kind of known uh, to be this, you know, we, we develop bodies of content research for cybersecurity. We've been focusing on cloud security, but we address all sorts of different emerging technologies. And, you know, the goal for us has always been to let's demystify some of these technologies out there. Let's find out how we can really help build enterprise grade best practices and tools so that companies can take advantage of these technologies, deploy it, run it, and develop with them securely. So that's been our goal. That's been our mission. And we try to do that each and every day. Yeah. And you guys, I mean, so the the, the, the word cloud security alliance, you know, makes, makes the audience think of it's only cloud focused, but it's not really, right? I mean, you guys, you guys, as you mentioned, they're emerging technologies, trends, the future, and you're really trying to enable practitioners to accelerate their work or become better educated in, in their work. Is, is that a fair statement? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's why I even like to say CSA these days more than just Cloud Security Alliance, because uh, 15 years ago, cloud was that big disruptive technology and and our CEO and co-founder, Jim Rebus, was like, hey, man, we need to make sure that uh, people understand that this technology is going to change how we do everything. And in order to take advantage of that, we need to make sure that we build best practices and let people understand that, like, hey, cloud, it's not this far-reaching concept that we really don't understand. It's something that's going to be integrated into every single tool set that we have. We're going to use it for business operations, for business resiliencies. And, I mean, today... <laughs> Uh, I don't know anybody who's not using a cloud service, a cloud anything. And uh, and so starting from cloud made a lot of sense, but the world changes so quickly. Uh, give us the last 12 months and generative AI has been this huge thing. Uh, go back five, six years, we have you know blockchain, we have uh, quantum computing that was introduced, you know, conceptually, uh, are we still, you know, implementing that in certain ways, are we still understanding that in certain ways? The answer is yeah, yeah, yes, we're trying to grasp that knowledge. And so, uh, yeah, we just became a resource hub, an education hub that gets people together, like-minded individuals that are interested in 
cybersecurity like you, you and me uh, that are interested in business operations, that are interested in, in compliance and regulation. We get everybody into a room in these research working groups and somehow competitors alike, uh, we come out with really friendly understandings of here are the pain points for, for customers in general. If we're gonna adopt the technology and we're gonna advance you know, our companies in certain ways, uh, we also need to do it safely and securely for our customers, for our citizens, for our employees. And so, yeah, we tackle everything. We have to tackle everything, right? As a security practitioner, if you're not paying attention to all the technologies and your CEO asks you, okay, hey, what are we going to do about AI? You better you better understand, you better have an answer, right? Then or else you're going to be yeah. in trouble. As a yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, it, it's funny, right? Because just as you mentioned, blockchain, I'm like, shit, whatever happened to the blockchain business? I remember it was many, several years ago, and everyone was talking about blockchain, the way they are talking about AI right now. But but the difference, I think, is blockchain, it, it almost like it seemed to like peak a little bit. And then I don't hear anybody really talking about blockchain. I don't really hear startups talking about, hey, we're doing the blockchain. Like about four or five years ago, right? Yeah, it was it was all the bloody rage for probably about twelve months, and then all of a sudden it came, and and it seems to have just like fizzled out. I mean, maybe still there. I'm sure there are still people taking advantage of it, but you don't hear it the way you hear about other stuff. I mean, in the last five years, um, zero trust. Obviously, I know you guys are right familiar with with that one, and then AI. Everybody's familiar with that one. So I think I think there's these other fancy buzzwords, <laughs> or, or or let's just you know whatever is cool at the moment, right? They, they just seem to be there's other things that kind of kept the momentum, and blockchain just disappeared. Um, do, I mean, do you do you guys see people building on the blockchain and and talking about it as as much, or am I just in a little cave somewhere? There is, and and yeah, there's. You know, we always have to chase a little bit of these technologies and trends, right? Just because you don't know what's really going to hit, and if you miss that out, if you miss on that, miss out on that as a as a business, there's competitive disadvantage there. Uh, if you miss it out on, as a security practitioner, there's massive risks that open up, right? So you do have to explore everything, and you know, blockchain is still around too. There's definitely big frameworks that we've explored, like Corda, Hyperledger. You're still building things into these. You know, blockchain was supposed to uh, solve, a, you know, be the answer to a lot of things, and I think it it almost took on too many things. Where yes, blockchain can do this or that from a, a database perspective or whatever, but is it necessary to replace what we currently have? Is it going to be that much better? Do we need immutable frameworks, immutable ledgers? It got to the point too where privacy can be a big issue there too, right? What happens if something nefarious is uploaded to your blockchain? And now your entire chain is, you know, screwed. Yeah, infected, and so you have to yeah. just build all these ladders, and uh, and so yeah, that I think that became a challenge. If you look at techniques and principles like zero trust, I think they're very foundational to what we do. That's been pretty good from my perspective as a security practitioner to translate how to secure things to the business to people who, you know, aren't necessarily you know, security savvy and, and, and AI, you mentioned, uh, AI has been around for a long time, but the generative AI tools that we're seeing in ChatGPT and Bard 
in Anthropics Cloud. Dude, I mean, like cloud, it's at your fingertips where the public consumption of these tools is readily available. I mean, I don't know a lot of people who know how to use like Corda or Hyperledger outside of blockchain experts within maybe certain financial yeah. institutions or something like that, right? But, but I mean, students, uh, moms, dads, every job, I don't, you know, it's impacting everything. And now these transformers that OpenAI, Anthropic and Google and others are building, I mean, you can build, you can, you know, build these co-pilots right into your applications. I mean, you can do it now, you can do it. It's, it's incredible. And so what we're seeing is the availability of these generative AI tools uh, built off of large, large language models that are also not new, but uh, they're all hosted in major cloud services. So now you have the availability, the storage and the compute capability, like really the compute capability of tuning and training available with these hyperscalers and cloud services. Yeah, this is, I think this is different. I think just yeah. the availability and the, the uh, capability. Yeah, I think it's gonna be different. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, like you say, right, so chat GPT, I've got friends who are not in the industry, but, but and, you know, they're semi-tech savvy and, and they're all over leveraging chat GTP and or even like Adobe Firefly being an ex-Adobe guy, right? I, I still pay attention to that stuff. And I played around with Firefly with my daughter, her graduation pictures from high school. And we're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Like you can do all sorts of nonsense. So I think, and, and some of some of it looks believable and you know, some of it still looks a bit bullshit. But the reality is you, you see the direction, you see the brilliance. But to your point, I think it's the accessibility by the mainstream for people to take advantage of that technology, unlike other technologies, right? I, I think, like, you know, I've, I've been involved in this zero trust business for quite a while now. I think 2017, my team at Adobe done some deployment. And ever since then, when I talk to people about zero trust, the first thing I would say is, what do you mean and what do I mean? <laughs> right? Because I think the hardest thing about that compared to AI, when you say AI to someone, they think chat GTP normally, right? If they're uneducated, they're going to go straight to, oh yeah, I know about chat GPT. What is zero trust? I do conferences all the time and, and I talk to people and, and not a lot of them know what you mean or what I mean. And I think there's a couple of reasons behind that. Um, but I'd, I'd love your take just on, I'm, I'm going to kind of you know, spark ZT to the side for a second, a microsecond, yeah. and talk about CSA make a lot of content. Vendors manufacture and market a lot of content. And, and then practitioners are trying to absorb stuff in order to solve problems that are set in front of them. Do, do you, do you think, do you think that the average practitioner is overwhelmed with all the content that everybody creates and do, and do you think the vendors marketing teams totally botch it up for everybody else <laughs> man <laughs> yeah there's a bit there huh but and i know we, we need marketing teams right i think they're fantastic uh I, I and you know marketing teams have goals though too right their goal is to sell products i mean it should be right it's yeah that's the bottom line but it does create market confusion big time right and and 
you, you said it before, you can ask, you, you can go to a conference, you can go into like a secure, like a room with security, like really smart security practitioners. And they might all have a different flavor of what zero trust is. Uh, and yeah, there's a ton of content out there. You know, what we've tried to do as, you know, so CSA is a non-for-profit organization. And, and we started from like, uh, we didn't, we're not a spinoff of like a major vendor or anything like that too. We started, yeah. we're, 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 we're super vendor neutral. And that's, I mean, the strength of, uh, of who we are and, and how we operate. And, and so, you, you know, we try to do that too, Dan. We try to create content where like, hey, let's be vendor neutral about zero trust. Zero trust principles are pretty foundational. Those are, you know, John Kinderbach, and uh, go back to even the Jericho Forum, they're talking about these principles, you know, man, uh, like 15 years ago now. Yeah. I think it's really important to understand what Zero Trust is and then to formulate a strategy for your business. Now, whenever we come up with strategies, like in, in the world today, I mean, there's always this build versus buy. We love these commercial off-the-shelf product products that make things easier for us. And uh, yeah, we absolutely should do that. But Starting with the strategy for your business is so important. Once you have a strategy, now you can start looking to solve these zero trust puzzle pieces. And it's gonna be a combination. What can I do myself? How can I use vendors to solve these kind of problems, whether it's a network problem, a data problem, uh, you know, something with my end devices and my users. And so I think that's where it comes, it becomes really important. So let, let's start from scratch. Just really understand our approach to zero trust, really, you know, you know, trust and verify kind of thing. Let's understand where these boundaries are. And now we can start actually putting products and vendors in the right place to serve our strategy, what we're trying to yeah. do to solve zero trust problems. So yeah, that's No, that, that, yeah, that's awesome. And what one, you, you, couple, two things you touched on there that, that so I, I used to have this sign on my door that said, pardon me for interrupting you, I just had a thought, but I've, I've, I've matured a lot. So I'm actually hold them both in. So one, one was CSA being kind of vendor neutral and trying to remain so. And I think one of the things that speaks to that is our actual introduction was our good friend, Sean Cadero, who's a CISO at Zscaler. And Zscaler is a direct competitor to Banyan. But yet he and I are good friends and he introduced you to me and said, hey, I think you guys should, should get Banyan and you know have people there and get their perspective too. And it speaks to the testament of that vendor neutrality, which I, th I thought was awesome. And also props to Sean for, for you know, introducing us as well. Um, and then the other one, when we done um, our Zen project at Adobe, um, John Kinderberg, he was working at Palo Alto at the time and him and his team, they, you know, they swung in. We wanted to share what we were doing, let them see it. And I remember John saying, well, you know, well, this isn't really fully zero trust because <laughs> you're not doing packet inspection and i'm like yeah i went and i think the thing my reply was yeah i went you know i'm not really labeling it i'm, I'm you know we kind of call it zero trust but I, i'm not i'm not labeling it to the nth degree and i think one thing is is there's a maturity level on some of this stuff right and that's what I said to John. I went, John, maybe that that's a more mature level of zero trust than we're aiming for or willing to invest in. And I think the one thing that I caution anybody in professional life is you could read the ITO book, you could read the SANS book, you could read the ZT book, you can read all these books, 
but delivering what the book says isn't actually the goal. Now you touched on this, which was you need to understand your business, your business goals and your business outcomes, and then the problems you're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. And then you look at the framework and you're like, hey, what about this framework can I use to accelerate solving these problems that I have? Because if you don't have that problem, just because the book says so, doesn't mean you have to go do it. And and years ago when ITIL was like the biggest thing in the planet for IT shops, I used to say to people, we're not reading the ITIL Bible, are we? Like, are we preaching the ITIL Bible or are we trying to like make IT more efficient? And I, I think that's the biggest lesson for me when I speak to people is, you're paid to solve business problems, help your business, secure your business, accelerate your business. You're not paid to deploy zero trust. Yeah. You're going to leverage what great work people have put in to accelerate you doing it. So leverage it wisely. Don't jump all in and spend all your money because you, you might not have a, a lot of money anyway. Um, and, and I think when we were doing that at Adobe and then at Cisco, and as I work at Banyan now, the biggest thing for me is keep yourself grounded on we're paid to solve problems. We're paid to enable the business. Um, and, and that kind of gets beyond all that hype and the bullshit and all, all the other stuff. And I agree, marketing teams, we have to, we need marketing. You know, we need brand marketing and product marketing. And I don't, I don't, you know, get that frustrated really are pissed off at people that want to market their thing is zt or ai like everybody now they've got some ai in their crap <laughs> even our team i'm just waiting on our marketing team over rotating on that you know <laughs> um but you know any minute now um and and i think it's it's cool the, the other the other thing um love your thoughts on this what what, what do you guys think of when someone gets breached all the product teams suddenly jump in and use that as a method to promote their stuff. Good or bad? Yeah, good or bad. Huh? Uh, I I do like threat modeling, and uh, you know, part of our part of what we do is uh, we sell like like you and I. You know, we we were selling security to the business too, right? And so uh, when you're translating. Hey, how do we need to be more secure or, or even we're trying to, Hey, you, you mentioned earlier security budgets. Yeah. They're, uh, we, they're pretty limited, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yes. And get so, more limited every year. Yeah. So when you try to get more, uh, you know, bigger budgets for security, I mean, we have to use these examples and I get, you know, vendors will do that too. Like, Hey, here's a major breach could have been prevented by doing X, Y, Z. And I think that's something that you always need to have you know, prepared for the board to, hey, there was a major breach that happened. And right, I'm going to, I don't want to use an example, it's just to, I don't want to call yeah. it right now, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but, <laughs> yeah, but, but you, you yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot, of, I'm going to say this too, actually. So when I've helped a lot of people put packages together for the board, and we've actually used vendor content that's really good. And so, uh, yeah, do we? I'm not against using vendor content or like vendors going after a breach. Now, I don't like the whole fuddy stuff, the fear, uncertainty, doubt thing, yeah. security. But when we can twist that to talk about how we can protect our customers and build customer confidence, confidence in technology, cloud, 
your, you know, whatever business you have. I think that's a really good story to tell, right? Because yeah. customer confidence is how we, how we thrive. And I don't know any CEO who would not want to, you know, raise customer confidence. And so, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I, one thing, so I remember there was a breach and then I remember some vendors jumped on the bandwagon and, and one of the CISO groups I'm a member of, they kind of lit up with, they hate seeing vendors pile on bullshit on other vendors that have been breached as if they're yeah. as if they're all handled all clean right and, mm. and as if their magic wizard wand is going to save the world if only you used it if only you used their stuff that breach wouldn't have happened right and okay. i i try and say internally within our team to avoid that as much as we can and I, and i think we do we do do it now and again and i know there's even pressure on me to kind of comment on breaches and events and stuff like that and and the hard thing is is i'm always like one of our strategies at adobe was let's not be controversial let's not piss people off if you piss people off then you become the target you know yeah. so i think piling on as if you're like the high and mighty doesn't really help the biggest and most important thing we should celebrate is any vendor that has been breached the more transparent they are, the more clear they are, the more they share about what they're going to do about it or what happened, the more, you know, that, that openness and willingness to educate the community on how it happened and the kind of things they can do to avoid it in the future. I think that benefits everybody and actually elevates that company's trust and credibility. And if they do that, if they do that, I think then the whole industry can benefit. 100% too. And as long as we can get through legal and all that tape to get that done, I, I, I totally agree. And, yeah. and that's, I guess that's the perspective I was coming from earlier too, where, you know, uh, but if we're, if we're saying like, you know, you know, gosh, I, I'm, I, get, I have these examples just to, to bring context. Like, you know, Okta had a couple, you know, uh, a couple of attacks and breaches these last couple of years. And if someone, if another identity company came in and was like, "Oh yeah, because you use them here, you know, we don't do that." That's just that's just asking for trouble, right? Them, yeah, asking yep, yep. For yeah, totally. Pile it on, but yeah, I'm I'm more so like, yeah, it, you know, educating people on, hey, here's what happened, and here's what you can do to solve this. Oh, and it just so happens, you know, Banyan Security has great zero trust network protection for that. You know, that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so horrible. I mean, because you're just, you know, you're just kind of you're educating the company and. Oh yeah, but oh, yeah. we can do I that. Mean, that, that. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's it's easy for us to say, oh yeah, if Okta had our stuff on top, that would not have happened. Well, that that's a bold statement. Yeah, uh, yeah. Is it is it possible? It might have made it harder. Uh, it's possible, and I, I think the reality is is we don't know the exact details. We know we know what's been publicly shared. So the reality is is you're kind of dicing with with fire a little bit. And then the other thing for me is, I I've been a customer of Okta for the longest part, I mean, since the early 2000s, I can't remember exactly when, but it's a great team, great bunch of people, parts right in it, you know, and, and I have no doubt in my mind that there's a budget grapple on how much money do you give the, the, the security team, because there is on every single company I've ever been in, right? And, yeah. and the reality is, is um, it, it, you know, Adobe publicly had a huge breach in 2013. I mean, I, I can say it because it's out there. Um, the amount of millions of dollars Adobe invested after that event was incredible. And, and at the all hands, when the CEO was talking about security, I mean, it, it, 
it was a game changer. I think if a company pays attention to the shit that happens and then they, they respond and and they're more transparent, I think that's that's only good for the industry overall. Then I want to change that mindset with people too. There are, are so many, and you know, I have a lot of friends that are developers and so I'll even go to a lot of developer conferences because we do a lot of cool stuff there too with dev, DevOps and DevSecOps. But there's this mentality to where if I build software or product and there are zero or one or two vulnerabilities look at that look how look how perfect my build is which to me isn't <laughs> yeah. realistic right i, I want to see those who hey yeah we've had this many exploits and we're patching we're fixing them constantly to me that's real and you know you and i kind of understand that but i do want to change that mentality where it's it's about you know being transparent hey it's not you know you know if but when something happens Let's yeah. It. Let's document it. Let's show people how we're disclosing vulnerabilities and fixing things, because in today's technology supply chain world, it impacts a lot of us, right? Just you know, if something happens at an infrastructure level, it trickles down to software, the platforms, and you know, down to customers, and everything in between. I've talked to, you know, you're you're not just a a customer for cloud. You are a provider, right? tell me there's no coffee companies that you're not purchasing things through their application you don't have a you know a, a membership where you're you know, you know you're building points to to get your next free cup of coffee same with banks right banks yeah. are also you know you have applications to interact with your account to purchase things to invest in things so yeah we're all customers we're all providers the supply chain is huge we need to be better at that absolutely better at disclosing yeah. Yeah, and and I think uh, yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 an an industry where now I I think the last twelve months. So I'd, I'd love to share get get your thoughts on this. Um, last twelve months, what would you think from an industry perspective has been one of the highlights? Oh man, it's I mean the biggest thing that stands out is the, the Gen I Gen AI thing that we were talking about. Right. Generative AI is just, I mean, it's making noise since Friday. I mean, I mean, there's noise yeah. with what, what's happened with, at the leadership level, one of those frontier models too, right? And it's happening. Yeah, I saw that in the news today for the first time. Like, oh, holy shit, what man. a weekend. It's crazy. But there, there's no question generative AI just because, I mean, the one that's making the news outside of security, right? You know, I think it started with students cheating on tests and things like that but uh as we you know since since i get to play around with these technologies and poke holes at it uh over the last 12 months oh yeah we're seeing everything from you know how do we how do we build security around the ai models themselves the large language models how they're hosted in the cloud how they're trained you know the resources that they're used to train with these new I mean, the 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 GPU power it takes to even train models and, and build privacy and parameters and these things are, are are ridiculous. But then you know we need to build usage policies around this for for companies, right? If there's so many companies that, like they did with cloud, you know, 10, 15 years ago, hey, we have a no cloud use policy. There's these no generative AI use policies, and what a competitive disadvantage you're giving yeah. to yourself and your employees. Yeah. And uh, man, it goes into, do we have security and safety and safety practices for how we're 
now using these transformers to build generative AI into own, our own products, our security co-pilots or our, our co-piloting that we have. And then the malicious use of, I mean, we're seeing that across the board. And I, I guarantee you the, uh, you know, we're gonna see big changes in how, and just common types of phishing attacks and, you know, code injection attacks. It's gonna, everything's changing and we need to be on top of it. And so, yeah, easy answer for me over the last 12 months because yeah. going back to November of last year, <coughs> OpenAI launched uh, ChatGPT. Yeah, that that's yeah. Where it all began. Yeah, and and the, um, I almost think your highlight um, of 2023 becomes your prediction for 2024. So in 2024, what do you think is going to be the biggest security concern? <laughs> oh yeah, uh, I mean, there's a there's a lot of interesting concerns. I I, I don't want to predict. I mean, I don't want to predict that something's going to happen to one of the major frontier models, like we're gonna see a major breach, whether it's, you know, data poisoning or, or, or misuse or some sort of training errors that happen. I mean, that's gonna be, that's always gonna to be tough. I think forever we're gonna be dealing with these biases that are introduced into large language models and into these generative mm -hmm. AI systems. Yeah. Like if you go into, it, here's just something interesting too. If you go into Dolly or one of the, the image generators too, and you just, you know, put something in like, give me a picture of a classic American family. You know, what are you gonna get? You know, or you can get a very diverse look at what America is, or do you get a very stereotypical image of an American family? And these are the kind of things that uh, are gonna be forever, uh, we're forever going to be dealing with. I mean, we, we deal that with that with technology today. And so, uh, yeah, how, how that impacts the world, especially when we see what's happening in the Middle East and in Eastern Europe. I think it's, uh, there's gonna be definitely some sensitivities and some awareness. Yeah. And I, I think that's it. I mean, if I look at the, the next year, and, and you mentioned about like things like phishing attacks and stuff. I, I, I mentioned to people about how if phishing attacks historically have been, you know, this mass mailer that went out to a million people with poorly worded English and blah, 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 you get 1% success rate on those, right? So the, the reality is, is in the future, if they can use um, LLMs and AI better, you're going to get the situation where you're going to get a million unique emails and that success rate is going to be far greater because they're going to pull in real information that they found about that that recipient from the internet because there's already a lot of information about us out there. So I, I kind of look at that, and I don't know if it's 2024, but I certainly see as the next 12 months continue, that stuff's only going to get far smarter. And, and, and that forces the security companies to look at how they address this cat and mouse game, right, of, of the attacker and the defender, we're going to have to have security companies build more and better security that leverages AI to combat the AI attack. Yeah, uh, and, and basic security practices are going to have to be emphasized more because I, I think you and I both know that there all these, a lot of these breaches happen because basic security hygiene isn't being met. And we, we saw, yeah. so, a recent breach 
was was with a security company that does help other enterprises do phishing attacks, right? And uh, that their their email list was compromised. So what what that means is that a large company went through you know an email campaign, and they were able to identify like, oh my gosh, fourteen percent of our employees clicked on this, you know, on on these uh, on this phishing on these you know fake phishing attacks. So you know we need to have correction for 40% of our employees. Well, that leak was list or that, that list was leaked. And so now whoever is an attacker is like, oh my gosh, I don't have to focus on this huge list. Of <laughs> I'm, I'm dialing on that 14% are suckers already, right? Yeah. And so it's not just that too, but uh, I mean, phishing emails, I mean, we're seeing it, not just emails, we're seeing it in our text messaging and oh, there's going to yeah. be, Deep fake, like with AI, there's going to be deep fake voicemails, deep fake videos probably now too. Right? Yeah. You heard about the 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 deep fake kidnapping that someone had, you know, this, you know, this grandmother was like, no, that's my granddaughter's voice. I know it was her. I knew it was her. But it was just, an, you know, a voice generated, uh, a generated voice of her granddaughter saying that, hey, I made a mistake. I'm so sorry, grandma. Send me money. And meanwhile, her granddaughter just out shopping with their friends wasn't at risk at all but uh yeah. this was tricked and so yeah we're gonna see we're gonna see a lot more of those then and yeah. yeah sadly sadly and and actually the one i heard of was the grandmother received the deep deep fake voice call where the granddaughter's like my car's broke down i need money to get it repaired and get towed can you send me money and the grandmother at least was smart enough to remember the granddaughter didn't have a car. <laughs> <laughs> so at least sometimes, you know, you got to have your wits. Now, one of, one of my friends said that with her and her family, they, um, and actually she was a guest on my podcast. So she had said when we were talking about AI security, that her and her family, they've all agreed a safe word. Mm. so in person they've all agreed a safe word and they repeat it every now and again so it's still fresh and they all remember so that if ever something happens you're just like what's a safe word yeah and very likely the the recipient on the other end of that the, the you know they they will not know that answer you know um so that that's you know that's a really simple thing that you know i'm like holy shit that's great advice uh i should remember that at some point yeah <laughs> So, even yeah. having, like when I even think of that too, it's like even having like, you know, we always talk about two factor, right? Yeah, a safe yeah. word reminds me almost of a password, which maybe can still get compromised as this world evolves and changes. So what else can we do? Safe word plus yeah. this would be really but I like that. I, I mean any type of like like just thinking about that's really smart. I, I'm gonna do that myself just here in that dentist. I'm gonna make sure we have a safe word and maybe, you know, an additional way. Like yeah, yeah. if somebody calls, it's like, guess what? Call me, hang up, call me, and then, and then you know, re-engage with that yeah. person. It's really if I've really been kidnapped or I'm broken down or uh, any of any of that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, um, so work stuff aside, um, you, you and I, so you and I tend to bump into each other a couple of times a year, usually at conferences, um, usually around social events. So when you are not working hard because i know you work very hard when you're not working hard what do you like to do to release any hobbies anything cool mm. that you can share with the audience man 
when do we have time to do these kind of things? Then we're protecting the world right now. No, uh, man, there's, you know, I, I try, you know, it's so funny because I think one great thing about being human and, uh, you know, you know, I've talked about this a little bit too. There's people that are like audiophiles or Epicurean, you know, Epicureans know they love food and other like aficionados of wine and cigar. And, you know, I, I love that about humans. I think it's incredible how, how creative and detailed we can be. And so even like it right now, and I think I told you before the call, like I, I've never worn these headphones on a, on a podcast before. I wore it just for you. These are, uh, you know, I guess audio file level headphones. And so just, you know, you know, it's interesting to me too, is I like to not just listen to different types of music with different headphones, but even listen to different, like listen to the same music with different headphones. Yeah. So you kind of feel like, feel the differences like, hey, what's the sound signature for these headphones? Uh, is this how the, you know, the the musician intended for it to be to, to be created, right? Heavy bass, or maybe you want that extra high-end detail. And, you know, we're out and about to right then with these, when I see you at conferences, we'll go out to dinner, we'll go have drinks. I try to take that same approach to everything, right? It's nice to just have a nice meal, have a nice glass of wine, good glass of whiskey and understand like, hey, you know, why is this, you know, whiskey so cool? Why is this distillery doing what they're doing? Why is this winery doing what they're doing? This one's, you know, like Den, Den gets the stuff that's aged like 30 years. And I think that's just <laughs> incredible. Um, I'm, a, I'm more like on the 12 year age, budget, but you know. <laughs> the funny the funny thing is, is because I'm Scottish, everyone's like, you drink whiskey? And I'm like, no, no, I stopped drinking whiskey when I was in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so I, I always think people in um, I always think Scotland kicked me out because I didn't drink whiskey any longer and I could and I couldn't play golf. I didn't I didn't pick up golf until I moved to the US. Oh. And then all of a sudden and I, I started to get golf lessons the other week as well. because um, 'cause I've done some executive golf uh, tournaments and charity events and, and my drives suck. <laughs> so I'm just like shit. But I think Scotland kicked me out because of my I mean I've tried whiskey every now and again, and another good friend of ours, uh, another Sean, uh, Mr. Harris, he, 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 you know, he likes a glass of whiskey and he's, he's very intelligent when it comes to whiskeys and I am not. And he's all like, oh, you should try this one. And I'm like, dude, I went, that's like that, that dollar is wasted on me. Right. <laughs> I'm not, my palate's not that good. So I'm not there. But I do, you know, like you're right, music, music is a passion. Um, I think the big thing is just socializing. I mean, one thing I learned in, in my life was, my professional life was, if you can network with people, if you can engage and get on with other people, if you find good people in the industry, and we've got a lot of tremendously intelligent, great people, great to hang out with, then do it and take advantage of it and try and grow your network because professionally it's useful but i think personally it's more useful as well because you start to meet people like like you and then then sean sean codero like we, we like music yeah. and i've met so many people that are into music and and we'll share musical stuff oh you should listen to this band or check this out and it's great or check out this gear you know and i i love that it's, it's great it's a great great for the soul for sure I think that's it too. I think you're right. It's not just the experience of whatever these things are, but it's doing with other people and talking about it. Cause yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, and and y'all, we all got to start somewhere too, right? And I'll make this translation too, kind of like with whiskey, you know, just, you know, right away, you're not going to probably understand the difference between like a 30 year and a 24 year or, or, or a Scottish whiskey and an American whiskey. You're probably not going to do that. Same with wine, same with food, same with music, right? You stick on a pair of headphones, you like what you like and, uh, and, that, and that's it. And uh, you kind of have to start somewhere and then you kind of get to understand the differences. You understand what you like. And then now you can start exploring that part of food more, that part of wine, whiskey, or music more. And then, you know, things change, you get more mature. And then there is a point where you do appreciate those $30, those, those 30 year whiskeys or that, you know, that, you know, Corvin wine or, or, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to make that transition earlier. You talked about zero trust. Is yeah. zero trust kind of a journey like that too, where, you know, what you kind of understand the basic concepts. You implement certain things. You know what you've had. You have established well. You know what you need to build better. You know what you're good at, and eventually, you know, it just becomes a journey, like wine tasting, like whiskey tasting, like music. You know, you'll get good at it in time, but you just have to start somewhere. You have to have a good plan, and then just yeah, and then just begin. And uh, hopefully, within a few months, maybe a few years, you get really good at it. Awesome. And actually, John. So with with that. I think that is a great note to end on. That's that's a great thing, you know. Start the journey. You've got to start somewhere. Whatever your adventure in life is, um, as as we wrap up, where can people find out more about the CSA? Yeah, it's really simple. Uh, website is cloudsecurityalliance.org.org. Uh, we are a non-profit organization. Uh, we also have cloudsecurityalliance.ai where you can see all the AI activities that are going on now too. So awesome. big pivot. Awesome. I do think that's just the natural evolution of cloud right now, right? Every, yep. every gen AI is, you know, cloud is the vehicle for that to get into business, to get into a person's fingertips. And so, um, yeah, hit the website, download stuff for free, uh, join work groups for free, participate for free. Uh, it's just a big playground for security technologies. Awesome. John, I really appreciate your time. It's great catching hey. up. It's great catching up on video, but it's even better catching up in person. So I look forward to seeing you again soon. Yeah, we got, I, I don't think it's between now and the end of this year, but either I'll come up and come up to Seattle sometime soon, or we'll, we'll catch up in the, the okay. Bay or, or Vegas or whatever. Plans, but that's cool. You know, maybe you'll be under my tree <laughs> on Christmas morning, right? Just, hey. You never <laughs> Oh, man, you never know. Hey, thank you very much, dude. Really appreciate it. John Yo, Cloud Security and Alliance. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Banyan Security and find future episodes of the podcast, please visit us at banyansecurity.io. Special thanks to Urban Punks for providing the music for this episode. You can find their tracks Summer Silk and all their music at urbanpunks.com.